Hey folks, it's been a while since my last appeal. For those of you who started downloading the show uh, a year ago, six months ago, and have been enjoying the discussion and have supported No Such Thing Podcast by going back to wherever you downloaded and offering a review and a rating, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, It is a huge help. We're lucky enough that through that uh, notice and and through your help, we're gaining new listeners. And I want to ask you all, if you're enjoying the conversation, to go back wherever you downloaded the podcast and offer a rating and a review. And with that, we show up higher in search results in places like iTunes and uh, Google Play and elsewhere where the show is downloaded. With that, my intention is to bring in more Uh, support for the show and bring in an even higher caliber in the coming year of researchers and practitioners and uh, help cover the expense of uh, getting folks to this conversation. Thank you again. With that out of the way, I have a treat in store this week. Meet Alec. Uh, My name is Alec Barron. I am a science content specialist in Escondido Union High School District. That's my primary uh, earning gig. And what that role is, is uh, curriculum, professional learning, instructional coaching, um, anything that has the word science or sometimes current technical education attached to it and digital badging attached to it. Um, it's a new role and I'm primarily supporting the implementation of our new science standards in our district, uh, NGSS. And, uh, but the other hat that I wear, of course, is the uh, Competency X uh, project lead. So that's a project funded by uh, Gates and Hewlett through the Assessment for Learning Project. And um, that's the work that we're going to talk about today. My last episode on this topic was titled, If Grades Were Hyperlinks. And together with researchers at University of Michigan and University of Washington, we laid the groundwork. I tried anyhow, building a case for alternative credentialing systems that increase student agency, add needed dimension to assessment systems, and that serve as technical infrastructure for a true meritocracy, if that's our goal. Not this other system that feigns objectivity, but remains highly problematic for equity at best. Delago Academy is one use case. If you're a K-12 professional, a funder, or an education technologist that's been following the conversation on badges for learning, you don't want to miss this conversation. Alec Barron is the lead behind Competency X, a project that's already engaged teachers, local industry, and higher ed in a serious conversation about how competency-based practices, along with strong software platforms, can change the efficiency and effectiveness of school-supported pathways for youth to meaningful, prosperous futures in San Diego County. I wonder sometimes whether our efforts to reform our current system will reach my own children before they're grown. When I chat with people like Alec, My hope spikes. Enjoy the conversation. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. Great. So, um, Alec, thanks for being on. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you uh, for lots and lots of reasons. Not least is uh, your work has a lot of uh, impact on my work as as we are sort of two. two ships sailing the uh, sort of uncharted waters of uh, digital credentials and and trying to figure out how we reform 
a system that needs lots of uh, love and, and tending, in in my opinion. Um, and you are doing some of the work that I am most excited about in this space. And um, so thank you for joining. And I want where I want to start is just to have people learn a little bit about you. Um, tell me about the Lago Academy and how did you get involved there? Uh, by way of a coming back to California. Um, so both, uh, my wife and I were finishing her, her postdoc and for me, my grad school experience. And we decided to, to converge at, uh, back in San Diego, which is where we spent our undergrad. Uh, and we, I, I came across an opportunity, uh, for, uh, starting up a new high school, which is in Northern San Diego County. Uh, Del Lago Academy um, is not a charter school, uh, which is something I often have to say because that's the assumption with its <laughs> with its naming, and that's some, something that exists with the naming conventions of schools sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we are a regular public high school um, in our school district. All our high schools are uh, schools of choice, and we are a high school-only school district. Uh, so Del Lago Academy uh, is really focused on um, biotechnology mm. uh, and has a, a curricular focus on that. But also the, the thing that really draws most of our students to the school is our internship program and not just being able to learn about work, but to learn through work um, through a number of partnerships we have both in the biotechnology community, but in businesses throughout um, Escondido and San Diego. County. Just tell me in your words, um, we've had a, I've had a previous episode of this show and there will be future on this, um, this topic broadly of, uh, of alternative credentials, digital credentials. There's, there's a lot of sort of buzz language that we can deconstruct as we go. But, um, the previous episode was called if, if grades were hyperlinks and, um, but I think it's really important um, to get the perspectives of the folks who are driving this work and in your words hear about the sort of central problems that you feel like uh, you're addressing with this project. So this project didn't begin with digital badges. It really began with trying to ensure that students were successful when they transition from classroom learning experiences with science to work-based learning experiences in science. Um, we were really concerned that students would not be transferring skills to these new contexts. Mm. So our idea for the project was, and this is where the, the title Competency X comes in, is that we wanted students to be able to select their own evidence of what represents competency as defined by our industry partners. Yeah. So one is, is that our standards are uh, for science are many levels removed from the needs of industry. Mm. They're static. What we wanted were a more dynamic uh, representation of what employers are asking for that are reflected in the work that's reflected in the work that happens uh, in the internships for our students. So what we wanted to do in the beginning was just have students um, with these competencies defined by industry uh, use an e-portfolio to select evidence from their both classroom and work-based learning experiences, and then use that to be uh, to connect to additional workforce opportunities within our region. But we had a problem with that idea. 
the problem with our idea is that we didn't have a, a signal for this competency and for those competencies. And we needed a way to bundle the evidence and have the targets be clear. And that's when an enormous amount of Google searching somehow eventually hit the Mozilla project and uh, digital badges. So we were looking for a learning recognition tool. Yeah. And then when we came upon digital badges, uh, it just the, the metadata behind it um, was something that was really attracted to us because we wanted whatever tool we were using to signal competency to our um, employer partners. Um, we wanted to make sure that um, the evidence was linked to it and the criteria was really clear. But also we wanted to still make sure that students had choice. And that's the X and competency X is that students have choice about when they've reached that definition of competency. So this is, it's a pretty huge idea, right? Like I think a lot of people listening, um, it's easy to get sort of lost in the weeds um, because this can be a complicated topic, right? It involves uh, how learners are assessed. It involves how um, the relationship between uh, learners and transcripts and, and there are all of these kind of complicated relationships. But one of the things I heard you say is um, that part of this is about agency and about learners in some ways sort of, uh, you know, taking, taking back some ownership, which over the course of the history of K-12 education, we've pretty much, uh, taken away from them, uh, systematically. And so my question is, does that sound right to you? Is that part of our goal here is helping learners reinvest in the process of assessment, um, as a way of uh, not just empowering them, but but making them better learners. Very much so. And that's where uh, a lot of our assessment practices for this project uh, were focused on. A good, good example of this is that we wanted students to not just curate uh, artifacts of their competency. We wanted them to reflect on the process that they used to reach success. Um, ultimately, the goal is that they have uh, curated uh, evidence of their learning that they themselves can go back to and then use to promote success in uh, new learning experiences. Mm. Um, skills do not transfer directly. Um, skills instead uh, are recreated in that new context. Um, and with that idea of what transfer really is, uh, we wanted something, a tool that could support students um, with recreating those skills. Um, and we, a good example of this, because our project is focused on a lot of technical competencies that exist in the biotechnology laboratory, uh, there's an instrument called a spectrophotometer that's commonly used in laboratories. And uh, in our project, we have students that use the spectrophotometer um, throughout a number of their courses at Del Lago Academy. Mm. When a student feels that they've hit the mark, the target for what uh, defines success with the use of that tool, then the student uh, takes the evidence from that performance, puts it in their portfolio, gets recognized by a teacher, or it could also be an internship mentor for success with that competency. And uh, we're starting to see with our project now students going back, clicking on their digital badge, 
then looking at the video that they recorded of themselves performing that task and then reading uh, what led them to success and what the physical and mental stuck points were and how they overcame them. And then using that to uh, use the instrument in a new context. So we're, we're finally at that stage where we're starting to see how these tools can empower students um, to use uh, their past work to inform new work. And that's, that was a huge part of this, uh, is not just the agency piece of choice, but then also that they can use uh, what they, they've curated um, uh, for future experiences. Mm. So I want to go back for a second and just, and just explain um, one of the things that you talked about was uh, as you were looking for a, a, the right tool that could signal these, um, the evidence for these competencies, uh, you looked into the, uh, or you came across the Mozilla work you referred to. And I just want to clarify. So, um, the Mozilla Foundation, the same group that makes the Firefox web browser, um, the fa- there's a foundation uh, for the organization that f- uh, for a while in the last uh, 10 or 12 years got very involved with um, the idea of uh, building an open badge infrastructure is what they called it. And, um, you know, projects l- like yours uh, are, are great sort of residue from early, um, experimentation and work that started, um, with groups like Mozilla foundation, MacArthur foundation was heavily invested, um, and some others, many of those have since moved out of this space and, uh, it's being taken up by, as, as you mentioned, um, Gates Foundation and Hewlett are spending uh, some, you know, uh, investing in the project with you guys. The National Science Foundation is is working with this. So, so the the point that I'm making is just that um, many sort of players have uh, dabbled in this space and been really curious about uh, how we might push some of the boundaries that have been limiting. Um, and, uh, so I just wanted to come back and explain that. So tell me at this point in implementation, how many young people have, uh, worked within this system that you're talking about? So, so what I'm trying to get a sense of is, um, how early on in the experiment, uh, are you? So, uh, our project, we are, we have a phase two award, so we're in the middle of our phase two work. Um, our phase one work was um, working with uh, industry partners to build a learning progression that represents the science and engineering practices um, that are required for success in the biotechnology industry. Mm. And uh, that work uh, with the badges that we built, which are on our website at competencyx.com and can be used by any other organization. Uh, those badges have been used by 800 students at Del Largo Academy. And we have a full uh, year and a half of data about how kids have interacted with these badges. Mm. And then uh, a lot of that prompted us for our next phase of work, uh, which in our phase two is exploring um, the idea of how we can build an ecosystem where there's greater currency behind these tools yeah. um, besides the narrowly defined partners that we had in our uh, biotech space in phase one. Yeah. So in phase two, uh, we, this requires actually talking about the mission of phase two, which is that 
we have um, the most biotechnology uh, learning happening in the secondary space um, through uh, a partnership with um, San Diego Miramar College and the Southern California Biotechnology Center. And what they do is they've trained um, many cohorts of teachers with a curriculum called the Amgen Biotechnology Experience. So this is a wonderful curricular experience for students because what they they get out of it is they get an an application of um, principles of biology and chemistry to solve real biotechnology problems. Mm. And uh, they're trained with the pedagogy on how to implement these these experiences, but also uh, the Southern California Biotechnology Center provides the material resources so that they can pull off uh, many of these, these laboratory investigations. Um, But they also offer uh, a college articulation. So uh, this uh, college articulation is in California, specific to us, is called credit by exam articulation. And what this means is that students who are in a class that uh, matches the requirements of uh, this college class, Biology 131, then uh, if they pass that class with an A or B, um, then they're invited to sit for Essentially, you can think of it as the final exam for the college class. And if they pass that, then they can get college credit for for science. Mm. Um, So our phase two work was uh, addressing some of the the challenges with that articulation. Um, One of which is you have to be really lucky as a student to be sitting in a class that's articulated. Uh, This is not done by district. So it's not like San Diego Miramar College does the articulation with all of Escondido Union High Schools. Um, what they do is they do it per instructor. So you might have just one high school here, one high school there, where those students have access to that college credit opportunity. Mm. So that's one limiting uh, factor. Another factor that limits access is that we're still focused on the input, not the output of learning. What I mean by the input is that uh, the articulation concerns the who, meaning who the faculty is, uh, or the, the high school teacher, uh, what what their curriculum is, and then how long is that course? What's the scope and sequence of that course? And instead of looking at what students can do performance-wise. So what we proposed and engaged in work with uh, faculty with from San Diego Miramar College is that we had their faculty work with um, our teachers from Del Lago Academy that had experience with designing badges and then implementing badges. And we created um, eight performance-based assessments. And uh, these actually, we worked with um, uh, the Center for Collaborative Education. Uh, they facilitated a lot of this work because they, they have expertise with their hmm. quality performance assessment institute. And these performance assessments, um, all eight of them are recognized by digital badges. But now, how do, how do these badges broaden access uh, to this credit and then give kids a window into what the biotechnology industry is? Well, these badges could be distributed uh, across any set of courses. So if a student is at uh, Orange Glen High School, which is one of our high schools in Escondido, and there's not a biotechnology class, um, they can take their learning experiences from their chemistry class, their biology class, maybe an internship in biotechnology, and then be recognized in those performance-based assessments for those skills and knowledge. And then they uh, can, we're proposing, can get the college credit. So we're leading a pilot right now where we have uh, high schools all across San Diego County. Um, right now, we're working with a total of eight 
that are piloting all eight of these performance-based assessments. And uh, they're recognized by these digital badges. And we're comparing how kids do on uh, these performance-based assessments versus the conventional process for them to earn the college credit, which is an A or B in a class, and then, um, of course, taking that final exam. But if you think about it, it's applied science, right? Like, how can you take a final exam and show that you have competency with using a micropipette, using a spectrophotometer, performing an ELISA? Mm. We're talking about bench skill sets. So, and that was actually, that's why they were excellent partners for us in this work because they recognized that issue uh, with their exam that they had. They would love to have everyone do uh, micropipetting, but they just couldn't scale it. So this is a way to to scale um, that type of assessment work, but then it's truly competency-based. It can live anywhere, and then kids have multiple chances to succeed on them. So that's that's what the work is that we're engaged in right now. And uh, we have an evaluation of this work that's going to come from it. So we'll learn a lot uh, coming up uh, spring of 2019 about how this work proceeded uh, that can inform uh, other projects. Uh, also added on to that is uh, these students are going to be recruited for potentially paid internships based on the badges that they mm. earn. So they're signaling not just to the in- institutions of higher ed for college credit purposes, but also for uh, for employment purposes, potentially. Can you describe uh, you you said the phrase competency based assessment quite a few times, and I just want to for people who don't know what that looks like. Can you describe that? Um, you know, maybe maybe take us through it as if you were a student. So, if you are a student, actually, the best way to take a look at this is to actually take a look at um, our badges that we have on competencyx.com mm-hmm. is we work with either um, a college um, or a, a local business. And then we define in a single statement what they should be able to do. It's, 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 a, it's not a, a standard which says something along the line, students shall know how to mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but students will do in a specific context, and those statements um, inform what the task is that students uh, would engage in. And that task uh, for us, at least with the Miramar project, where we're we're trying to, to well, we're linking it obviously to college credit, uh, is that um, we have rubrics designed that define what that success looks like for those performances. And then when they meet that threshold, um, they, uh, they're recognized for having reached that competency. And then if they don't reach that level of competency, they get feedback and then they have another opportunity to do it again. Um, and that's, we're trying to eliminate time as the variable, um, that we're using to measure learning. Um, and then we're also trying to eliminate with our project where as well, um, because uh, many of these skills um, are built uh, most significantly in workforce experiences, yeah. uh, not classroom experiences. Yeah. And and the the ratio on those workforce experiences is very different than it is in a classroom. So, right. So what you just described in terms of a, a student submitting a thing, it either works or it doesn't. And then they can try again if it if it doesn't sort of meet the the rubric. <clears throat> or the the uh, meet success 
according to the rubric. Um, that back and forth requires humans, right? And and um, so can you describe, you mentioned earlier a little bit about the relationship between uh, these, the, the, I think you called them uh, internship coaches or internship mentors. Um, tell us how that's happening. So, uh, so, uh, you have 800 students submitting work, uh, to, to prove their competency around, uh, let's say it's a, a lab tool. Um, how does each one of those things get looked at and fed back on? The vast majority of it is from our teachers at the school. And there is the opportunity for them to be through the internship mentors. Uh, but we do have a process. So the, the biotechnology uh, badges that we've built with Miramar, um, they have different requirements, which are you can think of them as chunks of evidence uh, to, to earn those badges. Um, some of those chunks of evidence can happen in an internship. Mm. Our internship program, specifically at Del Lago Academy, um, every junior does a six-week internship or two days a week. Uh, they're off campus and working with an internship mentor. Um, for the ones that are science-based, they're most likely using some of those tools. So they could actually be recognized for a chunk of that evidence within that internship. Mm. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of success with that because we don't have a lot of access to science-based internships. As much as I'd love to say that all 800 kids are going off and doing internships <laughs> at, you know, science-based, <laughs> you know, places of work, um, it's actually much smaller. And that's the purpose of our, our project is to broaden access. A lot of it is that our employers are um, hesitant about what those skills are for high school students are. Um, and, that's that's where we want this process of of connecting internship mentors to interns um, to be a lot more transparent. So the internship mentor can say, this is what I need. I need a, a student that can do this, this, and this. And then the student receives that signal and goes, oh, okay, this is what I need to be good at to be able to access this internship. Um, I'm going to practice blank, 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 blank. And then when they've done that, they automatically get connected. Mm. And then we're using uh, the badges as a tool to, to connect them. So, uh, so there's two levels of internships, so to speak. There's a mandatory ones that every single junior at Del Lago Academy does. But then there's the internships of choice that students do in their senior year at Del Lago. But then also all of our partner schools throughout the county. They, many of those students have internships as well. Mm. And many of them are science-based. So all of our badges evidence doesn't say it has to come from your high school teacher. The evidence could come from the work. Uh, if we ask you to run an ELISA, we don't tell you what that ELISA is. Um, run the ELISA, show that you can do use the tool. That's what matters. Mm. Uh, and then you have the who behind it, which is uh, ideally the mentor putting their name behind it. So we've developed a process where we have validation forms where the mentors can sign off and say, yep, I saw a blank doing blankety blank. And then this evidence in the portfolio, yep, that's that's accurate to what they say it is. That's good to go. And then, um, so that's that's where that's where we're pushing is uh, so that we're agnostic to the where. Um, that's not something institutions are comfortable with because they've been focused primarily on the input factors I mentioned earlier, which is 
the, uh, you know, the training of the instructor, um, the amount of time that that child is privileged to be in front of or be sitting mm. in front of that instructor, not necessarily the experiences that um, they have. Uh, the internship mentors can recruit students um, using the badges. And that's something that we're going to be doing uh, beginning actually next month. We're going to be able to start doing that using the platform that we're working with. Uh, additionally, for those those first contact internships we have, and say it's just with like, I don't know, a local catering company, we ask students to sit down with that internship mentor. And they often talk about the work they can do, but we center it around a project. And then we talk to them and say, we ask our students to engage in a discussion of like, what do you need to reach success with this work? Yeah. And then that defines the competencies. And then uh, the student co-creates a badge with a mentor. And uh, we've, we found that through our pilot work with students that that leads to a deeper internship experience for the student. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've had a lot of success with that, that practice recently. That's great. So can you tell me a little bit about the software, the, the platform that you're using? Um, and m- maybe one way to sort of just describe how that experience works, um, just to jump off of the example that you just gave is that, um, an, an internship mentor could, could use the badges to sort of scan, uh, potential candidates, right? So tell me what that looks like on the platform and, and just a little bit about, um, the evolution of, uh, you know, working with, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's a third party platform, um, to, to make it do what you need it to do. Correct. It is a third party platform. It's portfolio. And uh, we are working with them to design this process. So uh, they've been excellent partners with us in designing um, feature sets that we need to accomplish this vision of having a dynamic uh, talent marketplace based on um, these signals of competency. So what are the things, so walking you through the process, what happens is uh, that you have a hiring manager and we use actually a partnership with Biocom uh, which is the trade association for biotechnology in our region. They reach out, identify the, um, the hiring manager and the potential for the position. And uh, they can be given a menu of badges. Like, look at these things. These are things that your industry says are important for success, which are really important for this position. Then what that uh, hiring manager can do is say, oh, uh, spectrophotometry is really important. I want, I want students who have practical experience giving elevator pitches and being able to orally communicate. I want someone who has evidence of working on a team and collaborating. And then, oh, they really need, they really need to know how to use analytical instruments um, at the bench uh, in, in my place of work. Mm. So those badges, um, instead of typing out your job description, those badges become, in a sense, the job description. Mm-hmm. And then students can then see, oh, if I have these badges, then um, I can be matched with this internship. Mm-hmm. So when the position's posted, students who have those badges or have progress on those badges and said that's a goal for them, they get invited to apply for that workforce opportunity. And uh, Biocom acts as this broker between the two. So... 
the way it looks on the platform, um, if you're a hiring manager or um, you're a broker, kind of like uh, Biocom's acting uh, for our pilot work, uh, they go onto the platform, they just they type in the names of the badges, then boom, a list of students should pop up. And then you can actually click on the student. And then this is something we we haven't talked about yet, which is we're, we're talking about these badges as portable competencies to signal the, the opportunities and connect to those opportunities. Mm. But we haven't talked about how you represent yourself digitally. Um, what is your resume? Mm-hmm. Uh, a paper resume I've seen just from my work with high school students is really a terrible practice yeah. because it, it, it's not centered on goal setting and it's not three dimensional. I had a student type in, I'm a member of an engineering club. And I was like, you fool, you led all of these squirrely ninth graders in building this enormous contraption mm. and then kept all of them safe and managed the team. Saying member of the engineering team does not capture that. Yeah. So we believe e-portfolios can capture that work. Um, but actually in your previous podcast, you mentioned that that's a, that's a skill. So that we have to work with students uh, mm-hmm. to build and practice, which is how do you represent yourself and your competencies digitally? Mm-hmm. So the hiring manager that can sort for students based on their badges and then can invite them to the opportunity can take a deeper dive into their overall profile or can take a dot, which you can think of as um, their digital resume, or they can click on the badges that are displayed for them. Mm-hmm. And when you click on the badges, then you see the actual evidence that was linked to it. Um, most of our employers are have said, yeah, we're, they're probably not going to do that second click into the evidence. But um, if it gets down to like two candidates or they're trying to narrow down from like five to three that they're going to invite for a face-to-face, mm-hmm. uh, they might take a dive into some of the bodies of evidence. Mm-hmm. So an example of that, if you click on the spectrophotometry badge, you see the student using the spectrophotometer, and then you can assess that. Um, but in this work, we want to make sure that those practices that we're, we're doing are not erecting new barriers that select for only specific students. Right. We want these practices to make more transparent what the access points are mm-hmm. and what the students need to do to, um, to be able to connect with the opportunities. Yeah. So um, I, have, I have two questions I want to ask off of that one. One is just to talk a little bit about what it what it has taken so far to bring the industry partners to the table, um, right? Because one of the things I know from from my own work is uh, it, it's very hard. People talk a lot about um, internships for high school students, um, but nationally, that that's really it it's a really hard, uh, bit of work, whether it lives within the schools or it lives with third party sort of support organizations. Um, there aren't, you know, a, in, in my experience, a company has to be a certain size before they can consider something like a high school internship. They also just calling something an internship implies, um, a, a certain set of things in, in this country as it relates to industry in this country as it relates yeah. to industry. And, um, so, so it, it's hard to bring them to the table. I'm, I'm curious, um, what have you found to be 
the major motivation for um, for the industry partner and and also you know what have been some of the barriers what are the the hard parts of this uh, that's that's one of my favorite questions because there's so much opportunity uh, for access with this question so let me think about this for a sec about where I want to explain this yeah uh, let's begin with a story Nanomedical Diagnostics is a small biotechnology company in San Diego. Yep. They had a need. They don't have, they're not a large company with lots of staff. They're not, they don't have a hundred employees there. They needed someone that could work with one of their employees to learn how to code in a specific language hmm. that that employee didn't know. They hired a high school student <laughs> to work with one of their employees to help code uh, for that 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 their tool that they they, they build there and, or the work that they're doing, I, I don't know much more beyond that. How did they hire that high school student? They hired that high school student based on who they knew, and they knew that hey, I know blankety blank, and they 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 can code. Could we shift to a space where a small company that doesn't really have a lot of capacity can? identify someone in a talent pool and then invite them for a paid internship to engage in that type of work. Uh, we've found that many small companies, um, there's like a sweet spot. It's like slight, not, not super tiny, but like a little bit bigger, kind of in like the size of 50 employees. Mm -hmm. They actually can hire people uh, and hire high school students. And we've seen, we've seen even smaller companies be successful in hiring high school students right out uh, based on their experience, um, both in the biotechnology space and in the IT space mm -hmm. in our region. So when we go out and, uh, and look for partners in this work, uh, we build really tight relationships with those companies uh, and we, we stick to them significantly. But something that's helping us with those relationships is the trade association um, mm. that we work with, uh, Biocom. And what Biocom can do is it can act as this third party that uh, builds the connections between those companies that are larger, that are tougher to interact with for us. So it's, it's, it's more difficult for me to reach out to the giant company in our region. But Biocom can work with that gi that larger company because they have scale and they can uh, work with them for the process that we would connect to them uh, for internships. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's a great question in terms of uh, what the stuck points are for this work. Yeah. I've seen stuck points for big and I've seen stuck points for small and there's just a huge amount of variance. The, the huge thing is don't discount the small ones but also rely heavily on those third part, uh, those third parties like, um, for us, our partners, Biocom. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think excellent advice. Um, the other question I want to ask while we're just sort of on the, um, you know, thinking about what opportunities this opens up and, and how it relates to the issue of equity, right? Is a, a question that I get a lot as it relates to um, 
this the entire system that you're describing right because it's only very small fraction of this is about the digital credential itself um if that's the kind of tip of the spear for the rest of this system we're talking about that's that's fine if we call it that but um we're talking about a really robust uh system with lots of stakeholders and and players who need to to um serve as supports in this system um when I talk about it with groups uh, who are savvy to what issues exist in K-12 education and the gaps that exist particularly, the question that comes up is how do we keep systems like this from becoming yet another advantage for um, for the advantaged, right? So um, what keeps... Um, for example, in a place like Del Lago from, uh, kids whose, uh, parents might be coming from a higher socioeconomic, uh, status from, from, uh, hiring badge coaches and, and, uh, you know, making this about just really kind of another hoop to jump, um, on, on the way to college and careers, um, how I'm curious if, if I'm the guy in the audience at, at your presentation, uh, I'll, I'll ask that tough question. And, and, uh, how do you respond to that? So for us, uh, this project was inspired by a bit of a personal experience of mine, which was, Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Start, oh, sorry. start that we, in. We broke up there. That's okay. Start that answer. So, yeah, this, so to answer that question, I have to reflect on a personal experience of mine uh, from my undergraduate experience. Um, when I uh, enrolled at uh, UC San Diego and uh, had to take my very first uh, chemistry laboratory course, um, two of my friends skipped that laboratory course. They took their high school laboratory notebook walked into the professor's office hours, showed their laboratory nose notebook, and argued to, to skip that class. They mm. petitioned to skip it. And they were successful. They had a chemistry teacher that coached them to do that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a chemistry teacher that coached me to do that. Man, I would have spent a lot more time on my laboratory <laughs> notebook if I knew it could help me pass that, <laughs> right. uh, pass that, uh, that course and move on to something I was more interested in was... Uh, you're right. If if we shift the target um, away from uh, traditional transcript measures, and a lot often the refrain for our project is "You're more than your GPA." Yeah. Um, you're going to have people, you know, gaming, earning badges as well. But my response is that, you know, to this critique is at least then we're focused on more than just entrance. To college. It's about connections. And what I mean by that is, could I connect to the classes that I want to? Can I be placed in the proper class? Can I mm. skip this lame introductory laboratory class and then move into the next one? Can, so instead of focusing on eligibility and acceptance, let's focus on what you do once you get there. And the vast, vast majority of uh, students in the district that, uh, I work in, um, they don't go to a competitive four-year school right out of high school. Um, they live at home and they go to their local, wonderful community college, Palomar College. And 
one of the things that we could, I, Palomar College has many of the same awesome opportunities that four-year schools do with work experience and really creative uh, courses that kids could take. But just like the same phenomenon that exists in, in many four-year uh, public schools, uh, it's tough to get the classes that you want. It's tough to take the path that you want. Mm. Could these badges then uh, serve as tools to more effectively place students in classes that are good fits? And then uh, that's the thing that we've heard from our higher ed partners more than anything else, is let's focus less on the eligibility piece. Let's focus on placement and advising with these tools. Mm. Uh, so that's I think that's sort of the next stage of our work is... I mean, we have this simple idea of this punch card of like, well, if we can get kids, you know, college credit, they're already, you know, a couple steps down the pathway. They're more likely to persist and complete. Could we could we also do that as well for effectively advising and placing, um, not necessarily just credit? Yeah. And that's what we're working on right now. Yeah, I really appreciate what you just said, um, because it's getting at the 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 uh, finding that it took us in the work that that um, we've done at Mouse around credentialing a, a really long time to figure out, which is that one of the I think what you're pointing to is is this idea that the this credential itself and the system that um, kind of ha- you know that has to exist and and kind of underpin it. Um, is a richer relationship uh, between institutions um, than the, as you described it, the, the sort of punch card model, right? It like it it um, it uh, by necessity uh, because of the nature of the system, uh, folks have to ha- step up and talk realistically about the you know the learners as people and what they're capable of and and what we need them to do in a certain in a specific context and and um i i love that the idea that the these credentials are uh, more about a relationship that can address an issue i think a lot of people talk about it as uh, just sort of relate to the matching issue and and uh sort of college under a lot of times you hear uh, undermatching, which is usually referring to um, the relationship between the socioeconomic status of learners and where they place in higher education, um, and the phenomenon there, or or uh, is is typically that um, you have lower socioeconomic uh, learners, even if they are capable and competent, uh, typically. Uh, matching to schools where uh, they are, um, they don't belong in in one way or another. Uh, either the program isn't right, or uh, the it's leveled too low for them, etc. Um, then you also have cases like you're describing, where you have an amazing community college that has all of the things that a brilliant young learner needs to get them into uh, the lab job that they're dreaming of. Um, and again, they might be still mismatched into a four-year program instead because they think that that's the only option. So a, a long way of sort of agreeing with you and saying um, that I think it's um, it's so important that this as a spark that has the potential to 
um, reestablish new relationships between learning institutions. I think that's a just a really special and powerful uh, thing. It's really about relationships is yeah. what I think you're going after on this one. Yeah. Relationships matter. And it's not just relationships between institutions, but it's also at this micro level between students themselves and maybe uh, individuals within these institutions. And that's the thing that is, is completely absent if we're living in a world that's governed by transcripts. And I know there's great work uh, that's happening in trying to reform the transcript and our previous learning recognition tools, which are grades and a GPA. Um, and, and that's the thing that we saw over and over and over again with our, with our industry partners is they were tired of 4.0s. And that's, that's what they said that they, they were tired of employees that had 4.0s and had this traditional pedigree from a transcript. And that, you know, was a previous definition of success. And they wanted someone that could be independent, that could uh, collaborate well. And um, that's just not captured in a transcript. Yeah. Um, you can infer some of these skills, um, but there's, there's so many levels of inference that are happening with a tool like that. Uh, we're addressing this equity issue by um, decreasing the granularity of how we're uh, recognizing learning and then communicating past experiences. Hmm. Um, and then also signaling what those new experiences might be. And that's something that we've dabbled with our project where, you know, every student creates an inter, you know, creates a digital badge with their internship, um, just based on those very specific work context skills. Then that acts as a signal for recruiting the next intern. Yeah. Um, why isn't that happening, um, between institutions of, you know, secondary and higher ed? Yeah. Uh, we can make it happen, um, but it's slow. And that's, that's where the ecosystem efforts are really important. Um, that's some of the work that we've done on uh, trying to kickstart this uh, San Diego Digital Badge Alliance, where um, first we have to message what badges are, that they're not these you know, gamified stickers. Um, and then also differentiating badges from you know, assessments themselves. And uh, you know, really trying to create a space where they can serve as, as currency uh, within our region for connecting uh, students to mentors and opportunities. Yeah. Tell me what it, what your experience has been bringing teachers along in this system, because we're we're talking about a, a lot of educators um, who, you know, presumably there's been a lot of work to to um, adapt practice that in some cases maybe is, is well established, um, to, to think about all this differently. Um, what's that been like for you guys? Uh, it's helpful when you have a school, uh, like Del Lago Academy that is, uh, really based on this idea of it's never too late to learn. And that's, that's how a project like this, uh, got kickstarted was, uh, we saw an issue with our assessment practices and we wanted them to be more focused in the laboratory space. It came with a con, it, it evolved from a conversation with uh, an amazing teacher there, Alyssa Wallace, a colleague of mine, because she had worked in the biotechnology industry at a company um, called Pharmatech. And uh, she asked a great question. She was a new teacher there and I was the experienced teacher there that helped set up, you know, a lot of the curriculum in the school. And she asked, well, where, where's this? 
in yeah. our curriculum. Where's that? Um, where, where do we have this represented in terms of skills and practices that I found enormously helpful uh, for me transitioning to the workforce? Can you give me an example uh, so, of one? So one of one was uh, really really understanding the checkpoints for um, whether you're using an instrument correct. It was very technical oriented. So just the way that we were assessing students using tools like pipettes and micro pipettes that doesn't show up in a, in a traditional summative assessment. Um, and especially the growth that happens over time. Uh, th- those were the areas that um, she pointed to and we talked about as a science department where we wanted students to have multiple opportunities of success and uh, really capture what those growth ex- those growth moments are where you're struggling with the tool and then you finally have that aha and you're like, oh, I'm getting it now. I'm, I'm developing um, a much more uh, flexible and fluid use of the, uh, the tool and then I, I'm able to solve blank number of problems using it. So anyhow, that's the having staff like that um, is it was easy at the Lago. Uh, this project has spread to um, the other high schools uh, is in the early stages of spreading to the other high schools and um, our school district. And then, of course, the pilot work with Miramar College um, throughout uh, the county where I see this work um, happening the best or the it's the easiest to implement are in career and technical education spaces. Mm. Uh, in particular, our culinary uh, teachers at Orange Glen High School are incredible. And they've built um, or are, are continuing to refine um, a nice skill set, a uh, digital badge, um, a very important skill set for that workspace. So, so all the CTE teachers that I've interacted with and our district is certainly CTE rich. Uh, they already do this. They already um, they already have a competency based approach, and it's very performance oriented. And they already regularly engage engage with their local industry. So um, that's where this this work can come in, and it it's actually just replacing conventional learning recognition tools. Um, I mean, there's a lot of power to replacing a forklift certificate, the digital badge, because now you don't have to carry that piece of paper around with you. And to some, to some extent, the value isn't just it always being on your mobile phone, mm. um, is, is really handy. Um, but then also, you know, there's the, the handiness of, well, you can see a pathway of how you can reach that, uh, certification or pathway badge. So the idea of pathways and of badges is something that our CTE teachers are working on, which is what are the steps that you would take to uh, complete this this work um, and reach success as it's defined by the culinary space, yeah. things like that. I love it. Yeah. And, and can you just, so one of the things um, you brought up earlier when we were talking about uh, you were de- you were describing an example where um, a potential internship might be uh, crafting an array of badges that um, describes the job that that is needed or the candidate that's needed rather. Um, and, and a lot of those, the things like, let's say there were five competencies you talked about, um, maybe three of those five were, were what, 
lots of educators would consider to be soft skills, right? Um, uh, lots of people don't like that terminology. I'm not a huge fan, but uh, non-cognitive skills, however, however you want to talk about them. Um, can you just talk a little bit about uh, how the um, competency-based articulation can um, help in addressing a challenge that K-12 educators have been, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, it's been sort of a, a, a tough stalemate over the course of decades is, is how do I, um, you know, show soft skills and show that students are developing and growing in that way? Uh, you know, what's been your experience in, um, and especially with, your specialty in the sciences, um, you know, what's the importance that we're weaving these things together? So we, this is actually where we've had a great deal of learning. Uh, in phase one, when we define the competencies required for success in the workforce, where we built our badges, um, we actually mushed together these technical competencies and uh, these workplace competencies that are more disposition oriented. And, they got blurred together for these very creative badges, things like visual explainer, reflective um, uh, listener, things like that. And we learned from those badges is that they weren't a clear signal for our students sometimes and our employers because they were blending the two. But that's what our employer said was needed. And that, it, that makes sense from a real world performance orientation. Yeah. So in our phase two work, we focused on, okay, we have technical competencies, which, you know, spectrophotometry, micropipetting, like I've talked about. Um, then we also have what you're calling soft skills that go under the large umbrella of non-cogs, you know, dispositions, 21st century skills, and everything else like that. And we worked with Biocom to define those more clearly. Mm. So we created, um, we drafted, they're not, they're not done yet, and we drafted eight badges on things like uh, collaboration, communication, those those types of skill sets. Yeah. And our idea behind them is that they how you how you assess those skills is very different than how you would assess a student running a PCR using a micropipette. Um, that instead, it, the context for you being a real collaborator is not centered just in classroom learning. Um, in fact, that's actually the huge paradigm shift that we need to go through in terms of how our schools are are designed and and how we define success is that we're not valuing uh, collaboration as much as we could. So those skills need to be assessed not through a paper test, <laughs> mm. but by actually engaging in meaningful work and a task that requires you to collaborate on a team. Yeah. And that can happen in an internship. Um, that happens very often in project-based learning, uh, which is spreading throughout our district. Um, so funny enough, so we're part of the assessment for learning project. That's, that's how we're funded in this work. And, uh, I, one of the folks from the assessment for learning project was like, Hey, have you ever heard of education design lab? And then I said, no. And then I looked and, uh, sure enough, they had already built these badges based on things like oral communication, creative problem solving. And they were, they're so close to what we had drafted with biocom for the biotechnology industry mm -hmm. and we decided well hey 
let's implement the ed design ones, but they, they're flexible enough that we could have our biotechnology context. So we're blending together the oral communication badge um, between our two, uh, two pieces of work. And I think your question is, is that, well, how does this play out in the classroom? So we have a class uh, called College and Career Readiness in our district. We have teachers that's going to be implementing next week the oral communication badge that is a hybrid of biocom and education design labs oral communication badge. And I got to tell you, the ahas we had about... um, the, the curriculum and the work that the kids are engaged in is that when that became the target for the students, that they have to give an elevator pitch explaining their um, the, the, the fit between their interest as a career and who they are and the steps that they need to take to reach success. Mm. And then um, being able to argue with evidence and then be able to engage in a cognitive coaching session, essentially, they that teacher was like, wait, oh, we, okay, we need to give them a lot more practice with this stuff. So I think if we, I think what I'm, I'm noticing indirectly happening is that as we've defined these as these skills as success, that, and we say, hey, we have employers knocking on the door saying they want these things, and you were in this badge, you'll be in a pool to be part of this, this potentially paid internship, then the teacher is like, oh, this is this is my target. We need to have learning experiences that allows students to, to craft um, or curate evidence on this front. Um, but it is it is challenging for teachers, and I've experienced this as a teacher as well. Um, the, the demands of uh, what you are expected to do with your uh, static standards, so to speak, and then how do you address these skills that are more dynamic and reflected in a richer context. Um, I think we'll get there, especially as schools are, are moving towards uh, more design thinking based approaches mm-hmm. uh, with the learning experiences for students focused uh, on social emotional learning. Um, and some schools are getting really creative with um, entrepreneurship in particular, uh, where uh, students are, are really connected to um, trying to shape their their workforce identity and what they can they can do and what what businesses they can create. Um, I think that's where a lot of these, these types of badges like creative problem solving collaboration in the restroom are going to be very helpful for structuring those experiences. Yeah. Alec, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but I do, before we go, I want to ask, um, just one, one last quick question about, especially cause I think, um, there are a lot of folks who will be interested in this implementation, uh, who are, are, uh, in K-12 environments. And I think it's important, um, to know, uh, you know, there, there are so many examples in, um, in design problems where, uh, a lot of times we, we miss, um, misunderstand the biggest issues in implementing new design as being, um, you know, the ones that are kind of the most obvious, right? So, um, lots of, of famous examples, but it's always, it always comes down to, to, you know, tiny details that make a a bigger system work. And I'm curious in, in the K-12 setting, have there been just, just, um, are there surprises for you that you can share with other folks who might be interested in, in giving this a try, whether it's about, uh, 
you know, the, the software, whether it's about, um, you know, it, it's always something, uh, small and detailed. It's the, it's the O-ring of, um, of the, the overall system. What have those surprises been for you? And, and, uh, do you have any, any sage advice of, uh, things to steer clear of that might help, uh, it advance somebody's experiment, uh, in their own district? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> the big stuck points I've noticed are uh, going too fast uh, with creating way too many badges. That's something that um, I think I've heard. I, I heard it first from Nicole uh, Pinkard from her work of uh, carpet badging, uh, <laughs> I think is the term, where you're just dropping badges all over the place. Be really intentional about uh, what you're recognizing as an experience. Um, and, or an achievement. And in particular, pay attention um, to what your students value. And um, you can look at just the classroom learning experiences of students. And there are things that they really like doing and that they uh, want to become masters in that don't, don't show up on their transcript. So find those things those skills and those performances start with those that you in particular are, are noticing that uh, students really care about that is not represented um, in our conventional uh, representation of learning in, in the transcript world. So that's a terrific one. And I love, uh, so Nicole Pinkard for um, folks is, is a uh, professor at Northwestern University and somebody who in the city of Chicago has done um, some am amazing work thinking about uh, some of these things from alternative credentials to uh, how we build the ecosystem of pathways and opportunities. Um, I will link to her in, in her work in the show notes. Um where I can, but that's a, that's a brilliant one. And that's one that, that I have found as well is, uh, everyone is tempted to start, start big and, um, and over <laughs> the, the carpet bombing, uh, analogy is a pretty, is a pretty intense one. Uh, carpet badging <laughs> took a second. Uh, but that is, sounds like a very Nicole, Nicole term. Um, I, I hope I'm crediting her correct. My apologies if I'm not, but that is, that's something that you just, can't resist you're just like oh it's so easy to yeah. recognize blank and blank and blank and blank and blank and then it just loses value for students and then they're like why am i earning these things yeah. what are they for yeah they always have to be connected to an opportunity that's yeah. the key thing yeah. that if there's not a clear link in a pathway to oh i can i get tossed into this pool or i can get this credit i think i think they're going to be most helpful think it think about things that uh should be disaggregated uh, for us, it was, you know, um, a college class. Why on earth do we think a college class has to be one-to-one -one with a high school class to be college, you know, to get the, be articulated? Mm. Doesn't it make sense that you would take that college class, chop it up into the separate competencies, then distribute those competencies across a range of experiences? Mm. So an example of us learning how to work with this is we're pursuing, not there yet, but we're pursuing um, articulating with uh, an ad essentially an advanced first aid CPR course um, at one of our local community colleges. And 
it does like the health class that kids take and have to take in our high school, you know, it's like fly, you know, one day CPR first aid thing, but then wait, we do certification after school. Why, why couldn't it be the health curriculum experience there where they're recognized for whatever they do there that matches that college course. But then also the after school where they're working with a legit firefighter learning how to do CPR. Um, and then can you connect that opportunity as well? Not just for the college credit and say, Hey, if you do blankety blank, um, you can then, uh, get a ride along with a firefighter. And that's, those are, those are cool things that are really meaningful for youth, yeah. uh, where they can build relationships. That's the thing we're not doing well enough, which is really looking at the social capital of youth and, um, the mentors that, uh, they establish, uh, the relationships they have with adults. Uh, and then what's our capacity as schools to, to really know what's within our community that we can connect students to. Um, that's a great starting point, um, with this work. And, um, that's where a lot of, a lot of folks have, have done this on in the informal space for badging. Um, us, we're very much in this technical space, but we're also focused on these dispositions that have um, interesting crossover or cross courses. So uh, could, can you recognize a skill set that comes from not just learning experiences that happen in one class, but multiple classes um, or a range of experiences at a school? Um, those are the things that uh, we've been we've had a lot of success with. And if I, if I can, I think one of the, the, you know, brilliant things that, uh, I, I gleaned from the description you just gave is, um, I also think one of the, the brilliant things that you're working on at, uh, DeLago and through this project is, um, having schools be a catalyst for helping, um, a much wider audience um, consider themselves educators and supports in the lives of young people. Um, and I think that's a really amazing and powerful thing. Alec, this has been uh, a, a huge treat. I uh, could could geek out with you about this stuff for a very long time, but uh, I know you are uh, a, a busy guy and I want to uh, let you get on with it and, and all of the good, good work that you're doing there. Um, before we hang up, uh, how can people learn more about competency X? Where should they look for, um, more info about the project and, um, anything you want to, you want to plug or shout out in terms of social media or, uh, elsewise related to Delago, uh, or what's happening in San Diego? Definitely. Uh, for our project and all the work that I described, uh, we're sharing all of our learning at competency X. Dot com. That's the word competency, then the letter X.com. And we are really honored to be part of the Assessment for Learning project, where we've had um, a number of amazing partnerships with additional projects, uh, such as um, the micro-credential, teacher micro-credential work that um, the Center for Collaborative Education is engaged in. Um, additionally, the work that uh, the Learning Policy Institute is engaged in and reimagining college access. Um, it's been, it's been wonderful. I, I, I could mention all the projects, but I, there's not enough time to do that. Uh, and I, I cannot say thank you enough to all the other thought leaders in this space that have really had a strong impact on, um, our work and the design decisions that we've made, um, locally in the San Diego community. If you're interested in how we've engaged with, um, our biotechnology industry, uh, please do check out Biocom more specifically the Biocom Institute. Uh, and 
I think, another space for building ecosystems, like uh, uh, one that we participate in, the STEM ecosystem, that's facilitated by our, our one of our local science museums, the Fleet uh, Science Center. So uh, check out work that's happening um, there locally for us. And then uh, we'll have some interesting announcements where we're going to be sharing out the work from our San Diego Digital Badge Alliance, uh, which we'll have a website published soon um, that uh, we'll be sharing our resources that are agnostic and not focused on just biotechnology and some of the workplace competencies of our work. Um, but yeah, it, ton, tons of great stuff happening in this space. And it's a, it's a wonderful community and everyone's sharing their learning. Uh, the a huge shout out to the Digital Badge Summit. If you're really interested in this work, uh, Noah Geisel, I think his, his Twitter handle, Senior G on, uh, on Twitter, is a, he hosts uh, Badge Chats on Mondays. Is a great space to connect with uh, thought leaders in this space. So that's uh, so Noah's Twitter is Senior G. Uh, he can be found. Uh, it took me a second to realize why Noah is a former uh, Spanish teacher. Um, and somebody who's doing some pretty amazing work in the Aurora public school district in, um, in Colorado. Um, Alec, huge thanks again. And, uh, next time I'm in San Diego, I hope you will, uh, <laughs> entertain a visit cause I'd, I'd love to come and, uh, see some of the work in person. Definitely. That would be great. We learn a lot with every visit. I'd love to have you out here. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter at M.A. Lesser. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode zero, an Ithaca bomber, an engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. This show would not be possible without the support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at mouse.org.